everyone, it's Benji here. I just want to let you guys know that the Budget Overland podcast is uh, no more. Uh, ended that back in February 2024. I just wanted to come on here and give you guys a disclaimer as to not buy anything from Budget Overland Official. The only two things that you should be able to join is the Facebook group, and that is under groups, and it's called Budget Overland. You have to ask to join. It's still up and operational. And then BudgetOverlandPortal.com will still be up and operational until the domain name runs out, which I believe is good till 2026. Anything, everything else that's Budget Overland out there, please don't support. Please don't buy. It's either spam, scam, or something else. Uh, just want to let you guys know, I did start a new podcast called Newfound Overland. It's available on all major platforms. Love to have you over there. Uh, just kind of disclaimer here, guys, up front before you get into today's episode. There's a lot of gold out here. You know, every episode we had some good guests and good topics. So I don't want to discourage you guys from listening further. So please do. And I'd love to see you over on Newfound Overland. Bye-bye. Welcome back to another episode of the Budget Overland Podcast. I'm your host. And in studio, I almost said tonight, I'm trying to, you know, not give away my secrets on when I record. So today in studio, I've got Mr. Zach. Zach, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, man? Dude, Fantastic. I think we officially met last year at Rendezvous in the Ozarks. Have we met prior to that, or was that it? That was it, over at the Hangout. And you were driving a pretty legit rig that you don't pass yourself often, I'm sure. Um, International Scout, correct? Yep, yep. What what year's that bad boy? That's a 70 uh, International Scout 800. Nice. So before we kind of get into, you know, fun talk, I mean, it's all fun talk. Well, let's learn a little bit more about you and how you fell into not only vintage vehicles, because I think a lot of people enjoy it, but actually going out and wheeling and camping with it, um, driving it long distances for sure. How did you get uh, into, I guess, overlanding or camping first? And then did you kind of transition into more of the classic vehicles? No, it's all related. Uh, my dad had a had a scout when we were when I was a little kid, and um, growing up we always rode four wheelers. We'd go down to Arkansas and camp out, and uh, yeah, that was our that was always our vacation was was getting the four wheelers loaded up and driving down to Arkansas and hanging out for you know a three day weekend or whatever, mm. and just getting away from you know they got the my parents got to get away from work and all that and. I got to go out and enjoy the the, the beauty of nature, and uh, what a what a great way to to grow up. That's really cool. A lot of people like I grew up kind of going camping, but uh, I've said this before. But like um, we had like a pull behind camper, you know, so it wasn't really camping camping. You know, we had air conditioner and heater and TV and all that fun stuff. But growing up, you know, Dad said, "Hey, we're gonna go camping." You know cool let's load up in the old chevy van 20 and hook that 36 prowler trailer up to it that weighed probably ten thousand pounds and uh you know, only camping all over the country in that thing anyway enough about me uh vintage camping you grew up doing all that fun stuff um we were kind of talking off air a little bit um kind of how you sort of got bit by the bug if you want to go down that road that's fine uh yeah so as far as the as far as the vintage but yeah, go. for that you, you you said your dad had a scout, but like you know, some people grow you know driving older vehicles, they get tired of them, you know, especially old carbureted ones. You got to pump them, make sure the batteries aren't dead and all that. You know, a lot of people try to get away from that stuff, but you stuck with it for some odd reason. If you tell us that kind of passion of yours of why? Yeah, I mean, um, well, for one, it's a it, it's affordable. Uh, to be to start out with, you can go buy. You can still go buy an old cruddy four by four off marketplace <laughs> for less than two thousand dollars. And uh, for the most part, you know, international Ford, Chevy, the old small block, you can't kill. Um, and you can rebuild the carburetor. Uh, you can still get carburetor kits, rebuild them. Um, so yeah, it's a it's an affordable start. Yeah. Uh, and and you and you can learn as you go. Gosh, thank goodness for YouTube these days. <laughs> for sure, for you can sure. learn anything that you need to. And uh, yeah, I mean, I will say that um, the fuel, as you as you noted, the fuel system is the worst part of owning an old vehicle. Uh, you got to start at the back at the tank and work your way forward. Make sure that everything's good to go. And then if you can scrounge up enough money. 
definitely throw some sort of an aftermarket fuel injection system on the top of it. And yeah. you'll be a lot happier. <laughs> it's like, ooh, this technology turnkey starts nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's I was, funny I was gonna like, ask, go ahead. You can find yeah. like old receipts inside of your trucks when you buy them. It's like, oh, the carburetor was rebuilt in like, you know, 75 <laughs> and it's a 71. It's like they got like four uh, years out of it. And you got to be careful these days. Every every gas station has ethanol, and mm-hmm. you just can't run that through your carburetor. So, a hundred percent. I don't even try. I try not to run that in any of my vehicles. Um, it's, yep. And today's fuel is just crap anyway. Um, unfortunately, you know it's cheaper and thinned out, and the aspartame levels and all that stuff's totally different. But anyway, um, so is there? I know I always like to call him the poor man's Bronco, but man, those those Scouts are killer looking. Um, you know, they just got that sleek style to them that they're semi-boxy, but not really. They're nice and rounded, you know, and it's like they look killer. And especially like yours, I, I don't know, you've probably got a couple you said, but your primary one that I saw, uh, you know, it's kind of patinaed out and everything like that. It's just like you just threw your gear in there and you, just, you guys just went camping for the weekend. That's what I love about it. Is there kind of a vintage overlanding style groups out there that you're connected with or anything? Is there following for this stuff? Uh, I think there is. I haven't necessarily connected with them. Um, that's mm. kind of, we're, we're kind of starting a group of vintage four by four enthusiasts. And that's kind of the idea is to start that, that going. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not plugged into it right now, but uh, yeah, that, that scout there, is um, it's actually to tell on myself it's actually LS swapped, um, and so that makes that a lot easier. But yeah, I just throw the gear in the back of that and cruise to Arkansas and hang out. That's sweet. Did you do the swap yourself on that? Yeah. So for a lot of people out there, they know like the LS swap is everyone swaps an LS into anything, you know, it's kind of a joke, you know, swap it in a whatever vehicle, you know, they're, they're pretty much dummy proof to work on, you know, they're bulletproof too as well. Um, was there anything particular that you had to do to, to squeeze that in there? You got the 4L80 or 4L60? Uh, it's got a rebuilt 4L60, which is, you know, probably these days still one of your cheapest transmissions to get rebuilt. Mm-hmm. Um, the engine is just a junkyard 200 and some odd thousand mile engine. I don't even know. I think I changed the spark plugs. That's about as yeah. wild as I got. Sweet. Um, so there's a, there's a company out of Iowa um, that does a lot of the conversions and they have a full kit. And so mo- I, I bought most of the kit from them. It just mm. saved so much time compared to, to in and out with the engine in and out. Right. But, um, but yeah, like other the, than that, go ahead. Well, I was going to say like the mounting brackets and stuff. Do you have to do anything with there? And I'm sure you had to probably put like a relay system in and ignition yeah. system, all that stuff. And then they had that kit and you just kind of put it together and put it in there. Yeah. Yeah. The welding in the engine mounts is no big deal, but you do have to wire in your own fuse relay system. Mm-hmm. Yeah get that computer and everything to work and that's that's probably the most intimidating part of an ls swap for most people that haven't done one but Sweet. once again youtube has it all right there that's awesome um, yeah definitely like the older vehicles just don't have the, the 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 electrical support in them to do a lot which mm-hmm. what we run in that truck is a jackery and nice. <laughs> that helps with everything mm-hmm. so. Sweet. Tell us about your camping platform. What do you guys typically take with you? So we're we're just on the ground in a spring bar tent. Um, and then, we, like I said, we have that jackery to run most of our, um, you know, if we need to charge our phones or anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Air mattress and, uh, and a ground tent. That's where we're at right now. But uh, we keep looking at rooftops. I'm curious as to, you know, because a lot of, obviously, there's probably zero aftermarket support as far as, this is just telling on myself, you know, racks, bumpers, all that stuff. You you pretty much got to fab all that up yourself. Have you seen um, others out there? I've not really seen a bunch of internationals out there with rooftop tents. That'd be really cool. Be like one of the only ones in the, in the world. That'd be really cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a few, but it's mostly custom stuff. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, it's definitely rare. Um, the aftermarket support is coming along for the scouts in the last five years with the popularity. But Sweet. yeah, 15 years ago, I mean, Nothing. if you bought a scout, <laughs> you were you were pretty much on your own, uh, except for the forums, you know, jump on the forums yeah. and see what other people are doing. But it is starting to, to come along with like your 3D printers and your plasma cutters, just making everything so much easier. I'm sure, man. That's a good point. You mentioned that. Uh, someone uh, in one of my friends, we had like a, a video chat the other day and he had a 3d printer he bought. He's making himself all sorts of cool stuff for his office and for his vehicle. And that's another cool thing. Like if you're in these forums or groups, you know, there's going to be someone in there that's having an issue with something and they have a 3d printer and they solve that problem. And then they share that file or maybe even turn that into a business. Even that's, that's a really cool idea. I forgot, you know, didn't even think to think of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's amazing what, what people are doing these days with a little bit of ingenuity. The same ingenuity that we were using to get to keep these trucks on the road, people are taking that, putting it into aftermarket support, and then all of a sudden here's an armrest for you. Yeah, that's killer. That is really cool. This I'm sure it's got AC. It is not. Oh. Not. Are you gonna do that? Yeah, I wish it did. I wish it well, did. Well, what, what, what's involved with doing that? Like, other than like running, because I don't know, school me on it a little bit. I mean, is it like super difficult or is it just not, you know, worth your time to mess with right now? I guess right now is so, the problem, but. Yeah. And, and just like, what are you really wanting to get out of it? Like, um, is it, is it a truck that you're going to drive across country? Not for me. You know, that's, that's a truck that I just like jumping in and seeing the old dash and driving mm-hmm. down the road and everything, you just get that nostalgic feel. And uh, so I don't need the AC. And I've done some five-hour trips in it, and I wish I did have AC on those trips. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, just heading a couple hours away on a nice Ain't no big deal. Day, it's yeah. Not, but it's not with all the vintage air components that are out there now. It's not that big of a deal to swap it out. Mm-hmm. So it, it's probably coming up, but. Mm-hmm. Right now, uh, that's the that's the good scout that goes down yeah. the road. Just Sweet, don't touch it. It's running good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife has said that a few times. Oh man, no, I can relate, man, because I I've got like uh, some older vehicles and stuff. It's a love hate relationship because if you get one running good and everything, and it just sits for a couple weeks or even a you know month or whatever, you go out there and you're like, oh crap, you know, the carburetor's gummed up or. You know, something stupid, you know, batteries are always dead, something dumb like that, shorts and all that reason. So um, is there any love-hate for you on these, or are you just kind of like, man, these are so cool, it's worth, you know, all the sweat, blood, and tears? Oh, no, it's definitely, there's some love-hate. There's (laughs) always something with an older vehicle. If it's it's like, you know, 20 years old, there's going to be something. Um, just, yeah. just when you get something going, all of a sudden your rear main just starts leaking and you're like, okay, you know, all right. Well, I've got a 24 year old vehicle now. It's a 2000 Toyota 4Runner and saying that sounds ridiculous, you know, cause I just graduated a couple weeks ago. You know, it's just like, dang, yes. I almost graduated like yes. 20 years ago. I was like, huge. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, the vintage stuff I get, you know, especially if you're going to wheel it, um, you know, articulation angles on drive shafts and all that fun stuff, wheel bearings, all that stuff that's taking extra hits, abuse, all that stuff. Let's talk about kind of your, um, you know, let's paint a picture for people. Have, have you like modded it out too much, like lifts, big tires, re-geared, anything like that? Or do you try to keep it as stock as possible? That particular truck has a, a, a two-inch lift about one and a half, two inch lift. It's got 31s, which aren't really too much over the stock, 235, 75s. Um, it does have a disc brake front axle in it, which that truck would have nice. drums. But hmm. it doesn't have power steering, or it doesn't have power brakes. It does have power steering. Once you, once you throw a more modern engine in there, it's pretty easy to do power steering. So, yeah, power steering, disc brakes, um, and then a lift kit. And that's it on that truck so far. So is that like a Dana 28 or something? What is, what is that? Dana 27? What do they call that? The front axles? That front axle uh, is a Dana 30. Okay. Um, 
I pulled one, and I might just hit you up. I pulled one off of one. I had my father-in-law redid um, a seventy-one. Still working on doing that. But he bought a parts rig for the top, and the tops are like ridiculously expensive. So he bought the whole truck just for the top. So I was going th- through there just pulling off random pieces that either a wall hangers or b I know is valuable to someone. So don't just send it off to the scrapyard. So I, he gave me full uh, opportunities to go out there and pull whatever I could. You know, the vehicle was completely trash. Like the hood was completely just soda can crushed, you know. And anyway, I have this axle and I've had this front axle for like four years. Should I keep it or throw it away? Well, there is a uh, there's a Murphy's law with throwing away parts, you know. <laughs> I know as soon it. as as soon as you throw it away, <laughs> somebody will ask you next week if you have one. It's yeah, hundred percent. Man, be like yeah, I had an axle for four years, but I, I need to check it. if it has disc or drums in the front. I want to say they are disc, and that would tell you what year, right? Sort of. It'd be yeah. like yeah. post X year. What year did they come out with this on the on uh, the scouts? The scouts came out with disc in seventy four. Uh, okay. I am going to make note of that, and I will check, and I'll probably text you. See if it's worth keeping or not. Uh, Where are we going? I love this old stuff, man. Like, it's fun. Like, I've had a couple of the first-gen forerunners, you know, with the solid axles, and some were still IFS. So anytime, you know, an IFS axle would pop up, we'd have to go buy it because that was the thing to do. And they were like 400 bucks. Now these axles are like $1,000. Same thing with the 80 series Land Cruiser axles. They're ridiculously expensive for what they are. That's why a lot of people are doing the Dana 60s um, for a lot of these conversions, but they're so freaking wide. You know, I'm not, I don't know. They're too big, but uh, those yeah. 30s are perfect. So yeah. um, let's see here. You, you want to talk about your other vehicles? Are you making uh, any of them more like off-road crawlers or anything, or do you want to tap into that? We don't have to. Yeah, we can. I've got... Uh... I've got another one. It's a 76 International Scout Traveler. And mm. so it's a little bit longer. Cool. It's like 18 inches longer. And um, I put it together for an event over at Southern Missouri Off-Road Ranch last summer. And it's a little more, um, it, still, it still has, uh, you know, stock leaf springs. And, um, and it's got the stock engine, stock transmission. Uh, but I did... I put a Holly sniper on it. I just wanted to nice. make sure that if we were going up, you know, bigger inclines or, you know, sitting at a certain yeah. angle for too long. I didn't want it to stall out. So, uh, it does have that, but yeah, it's a little bit more, um, you know, hit a tree and not care. <laughs> and I've got some steel tube bumpers on it. And, nice. But it's that's fun. more of a toy, you know, yeah. you don't care about. Yeah. Those are good to have, yeah, man. What do people say to you when you drive through the McDonald's drive through And they're like, hey, well, this is cool. My grandpa had one. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's the grandpa. Old... If, sure. If you drive a vintage vehicle, good luck getting gas without hearing a story about somebody's mm-hmm. grandpa or uncle having a bulletproof insert vehicle here and having mm-hmm. so much fun in it. Yeah. That's everywhere you go. I wish they made them like they used to. You pop the hood, there's an LS1 in there. You're like, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, you would really make them cringy. There's, there's been a few times, but, <laughs> um, so like, so that's a that's a good thing to bring up because there are some of those uh, guys out there, guys that just cannot stand that you've done that. Mm-hmm. But they're the same guys that have that want to paint their car. Okay, we get that okay. too. Okay, okay. Yes. So, the same guy. The same guy. Same okay. guys that have a scout <laughs> sitting in their field that hasn't moved in 30 years because it's mm. missing, you know, whatever engine part. Oh, and gosh, they, yeah. They couldn't find it when it died, and they still can or whatever. And they're like, you know, I can't believe you put an LS in it. And I'm like, well, I can't believe it's sitting in your field. Like, that yes, is. They are the same guys that want to paint it all one color no matter how bad of a paint job it is yeah it's always better than the patina i gotta get rid of that rust gotta get rid of that paint over it come on you can go mako get 200 dollars paint job yeah are you gonna (laughs) fix it up nope no 
Dude, yeah, Evermore, like, it's so cool. Like, I know a lot of listeners are, like, car guys. You know, I think a lot of people in the Overland scene kind of like these cars. It doesn't matter what they are, vintage trucks, whatever. Um, but it's like, I've got this old 70C30 flatbed nasty old truck I'm trying to just make. Not a creeper, but I want it to, I want it to roll through town, you know, uh, nicely, I guess I should say. It just looks like an old nasty farm truck. But it's got all this, like, awesome patina to it. Poppy's patina or Pappy's patina. Have you ever seen that stuff? Yeah, I use uh, sweet patina. All right. So is that like a clear coat application or is it more like a linseed oil kind of application where you have to apply it every few months or something? Um, it's like the linseed. Uh, it's a ceramic. Mm. So it's, it's a little bit better. Um, but yeah, okay. I mean, so that truck, it, it's been sweet patina like twice in the last yeah, year. It's just, to me, that stuff just looks killer. And this vintage stuff, like, even, I don't know, 15 years plus ago, you know, if you drove around some old rusty, crusty-looking thing, and you're like, oh, that's hideous. You know, Dad dropped me off two blocks from school instead of at the front door, you know? But now it's like, yeah, take, take me to the front door. I mean, it's like the whole thing's just shifted because everyone, like, all these new cars are just crap. I'll just say it. They're, uh, you know, you're, you're good to go five years without having a major issue with these newer vehicles or recalls for crying out loud. So yeah. Pros and cons to having old versus new. Let's go. What's a pro about having an older vehicle? It's unique. And and like we kind of touched on everyone, everyone notices you and, you know, wants to, wants to talk about some good memory that they have. And it's, it's nice to connect with people like that. You know, right. just driving that driving that old truck to the gas station, and they see it, and it brings back a good memory. Yeah, uh, who can be upset with that? Yeah. Is there any cons? I don't know if there were. Well, no air conditioning. That could be a it's, con. That uh, doesn't bother you, so we can't write that down. I guess these would be does. your pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say the the biggest con for me is just. Um, is is probably it's getting to be more expensive certain certain things if if you do want to put a holly sniper on there or whatever yeah. and it's getting to be easier to do that stuff and i don't know like like you kind of touched on earlier i would just rebuild a carburetor 15 years ago and just yeah. go with it but now that i've had some fuel injected you know tbi throttle body fuel injections on there i i look to that as one of the first mm-hmm. things i do and so it is get it is getting a little bit more expensive to own an older vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. If if you can't like if you can't find that carburetor rebuild kit or whatever parts, I guess that's the biggest con. What I'm getting at is parts are getting harder to find to keep it stock and cheap. Mm. That's good. I'm gonna write that down. We'll put some of that in the show notes because I've always I don't know I, I like hearing different perspectives on different people's rigs and obviously you know it's like the jeep and the the toyota they always bash heads and stuff and no one really cares each each vehicle has their own pros and cons but a lot of people nowadays uh myself included i drive an older vehicle because quote these are air quotes guys uh they're cheaper but hindsight um the higher mileage for me uh replacing of xyz parts and then of course lifting it now you're opening another can of potential issues you know upper control arms uh, even lower control arms cv articulation uh, if you want to re-gear it or not all the bushings i'm talking body mount bushings all the way down to the um, whatever bushings all the little ones so pros and cons yes uh, it started out cheap for me but it it's become quite expensive to a point, you know, you're sort of in a way preserving a car, let's say not, I'm, I'm not restoring my car. I'm just preserving it to, to keep it on the road. I mean, for me to go find an engine at a junkyard, it's 300 bucks. You know, if you go find a, you know, post 2015 vehicle, you're looking at like probably four to six grand for a used vehicle or a used engine. So there's pros and cons here and there. Uh, but I didn't know what if you had anything specific on a pro or con. But I think well, it comes down to the drivers. To, uh, do what? It comes down to the owners and the drivers of them too. I guess exactly. Yeah, it, it comes down to like you know what your uh, what your patience and your persistence um, 
consist of, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of look around and look around and you'll find materials to do the same thing, you know, get to the same goal is that more expensive aftermarket part. You just have to be a little thrifty and a little persistent mm-hmm. at it. Um, and that's, what's nice about trucks versus like the vintage car world. Because, yeah. you know, if you got like a, you know, a insert sports car here, you know, or old muscle car, yeah, you know, you kind of want to make it nice. But mm-hmm. if you got an old truck that you're going camping and off-roading in, then, mm-hmm. hey, you know, as, as long as it's safe, then who cares what it looks like per se? Right. Per yeah. se. But there's the purists too. You know, like there's the Toyota purists. They want that. You know, they want it in X condition the way it is. And and I, I okay, and this goes down. We're kind of more talking about cars in this episode, which is totally cool. I think everybody digs it. Um, but, like, I watch Coffee Walk with Dennis Collins, you know, and he, he goes and gets hundreds of vehicles a year. Um, a lot of them are just, quote, unquote, survivors. And uh, he's kind of helped me change my perspective on the classic car world because, you know, some – some people like to just go nut and bolt rotisserie restorations. You know, they want the best of the best to look cool. There's also the resto mod scene where they're kind of the same way. They want to look good and perform good. But then there's like the survivors who they want to make it OEM to a point, um, you know, but don't touch the paint. Don't touch the, the little chrome pieces or aluminum pieces on the trim. Just kind of leave it the way it is. You kind of spruce up the engine if you want, but like leave the car in its original state. How do you yeah, feel about that? Are, well, I feel like those are the best vehicles that you can buy, honestly. Yeah. If you can find cool. one that's rust free and yeah. original paint and you can still see all the spot welds, you know, instead of them being rusted out or vinyl yeah. line or whatever, then those those are the best vehicles to buy and start with, in my opinion. Um, for sure. Anything that's been repainted, I I don't even like to, to you, go look at. Uh, yeah, and you know the amount of hours that go into paint prep alone are insane, and a lot of people don't have the budget for you know twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollar paint job. You know, yep. three thousand to six thousand dollar paint job to me seems ridiculous, um, but that's where it's at. Um, anyway, yep. kind of getting a little off track, but I don't care. It's my podcast. Um, that's right. <laughs> dang it! Quit waving at me, people. I'm just joking. Go leave a review on Apple Podcast. Um, let's see here. I had a good, Oh, so let's talk about your event you got going on. Break it down into detail, like per day. And then like how to, you know, sign up for this stuff. Is it free? Is it going to cost you a fortune? Is it affordable? Is it family friendly? All that fun stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, our event that we're putting on is rally in the Ozarks and we're a group of friends that, uh, went to a, an event at S'more at Southern Missouri off-road ranch last summer and just kind of fell in love with the place and, and um, we, we all had gone on, like, camping trips and, and w- with our scouts and stuff. So um, that's how we got to know each other. And uh, went to this event and just thought, man, we should do an event here ourselves. But we want to do um, a vintage 4x4 event there. So that's what, uh, that's what we're doing. October 4th and 5th, we are doing a, a two-day trail. And also we're going to do, like, a guided uh, road run throughout the the hillside there in Seymour. Seymour's cool. an awesome little town. They've got mm-hmm. a lot going on in that little town. So mm-hmm. it just seems like the perfect place for vintage 4x4 people to come together. Very cool. Do you guys have a website or anything? Um, we're on Instagram. we got a Facebook page. And we have an Eventbrite. That's where people can purchase tickets. Um, it's going to be it's $85 for an admission ticket. And that covers your park fees, and that covers uh, a meal Saturday night and a T-shirt. That's all included in that. And, of course, we're going to try and get a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in from sponsors and stuff like that. Is that for the weekend? $85 for the weekend? It does. That doesn't cover uh, camping, but, yeah. That covers your admission. $15, $20 maybe, no power if you're primitive? Yeah, I think anywhere from $50, $40. That's sweet. Man, that's affordable. That's that sounds really fun. So, what's the cap? Are you capping like you can't come in the park unless you're driving a vehicle that's over this old, or or, or, or is the park still going to be open to others, or is this your event that day, those two days? You guys oh, get the, the whole park's park totally open. Yeah, 
Totally, yeah. totally open. We're not. We uh, we're gonna kind of have uh, use of the pavilion on Saturday night. And okay. uh, so, but other than that, no, they're not shutting the park down. Um, what uh, the the vintage four by four? This was kind of a this was a question that we threw around. We're like, man, we're getting older. Um, <laughs> what is vintage? So nineteen ninety and earlier is where we're gonna cap. Okay, nineteen ninety and earlier. And I was telling you all, and I love it. And I think you guys need to stick to your guns. <clears throat> and somehow, like, if you guys are lining up for pictures or parking, like, don't bring your 2006 car in here. You know what? You know what I'm saying? I would, I would be a strickler on that. Um, but we were talk, kind of talking off air a little bit. My son's got a 1980 Toyota Hilux, and fight me on that, guys. It's not a DXL or whatever. It's a, it's a Hilux. It's a 1980 Toyota Hilux, four wheel drive. Uh, but anyway. I was telling you, I was like, well, heck, I might just tra- uh, trailer that out there and bring my son or something. And my wife even might want to go. We can go just pitch a tent somewhere. That'd be really fun. Uh, yeah, have you been Seymour's to that park? Not, oh, it's, it's a very, very clean, well-manicured park. Great facilities. It's, yep. uh, you know, if there's an issue on a trail, like a washout or anything like that, they go through and they, they try to reconstruct it. They don't just let it go to pot like a lot of these off-road places. I mean, it's... If it says it's a mediocre, you know, like a moderate trail, it's a moderate trail. If it's an easy trail, it's easy. If it's difficult, it's difficult. They, I mean, the, it's, what is it, 900 and something acres? Yeah, yeah, just short of 1,000 acres. And then, folks, Seymour is just south of I-44, like 15 minutes, not even yeah, maybe, maybe 20 minutes. So yeah. it's very relatively easy to get to. I mean, amenities everywhere. If you're afraid of being out in the middle of nowhere, it's not the middle of nowhere. It might seem like it, but that's kind of what you want. Yeah. So, yeah, we had uh, so that that first event that we went to, um, there were like uh, probably two hundred trucks there that weekend, and Sheesh. I think we ran into one person, like one other group. Really? And that's crazy. Yeah, there's so many trails out there, and and um, yeah, so like the ones and twos, there's enough of the easy and moderate trails put together a two day event. But we're also mm-hmm. going to offer like the threes, and if somebody wants to go on the fours, we'll we'll definitely have a guide that will do fours. Um, so if you're looking for a little Fun. more hardcore stuff, it will we'll offer it. Um, but yeah, it's an awesome place. I was blown away growing up. You know, like I said, we'd go down to Arkansas or whatever, and you just show yeah. up at like maybe a dirt parking lot, and there might be you know a bathroom maybe. But right. that, Southern Missouri off road ranch is like. I mean, nice, clean bathrooms. Yeah. Uh, they've got an air compressor there that you can use to fill up your tires before you, you leave out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everything. It's nice. It's very clean. they got trailer parking, too. So if you guys trailer in your big rigs or, or your, I say rigs as in off-road buggies. I get people get their panties in a watch so much over that, especially if, you know, daddy drove a semi. It's still a rig, guys. I don't care. And an SUV is still a truck. Let's get off my basket case. That's right. Um, so here's another idea or a thought um, or question. It's just a question. Can I bring my 2000 Toyota 4Runner in camp and then, like, per se, bring my uh, son's 80 series or my son's 80s pickup? Yeah. And still be included, even though it's. <laughs> We're not going to be like super uh strict on it you know we, right. we prefer you know whatever bring bring as old of a, a vehicle as you can but it just uh yeah i mean shoot what was the year you said 2006 <laughs> well mine's a 2000 <laughs> 2000 okay that's 24 years old i know it but it's I think 10 years older than your guys's cutoff i always consider vintage 25 years and older but granted the vintage that we're talking about has to be pre really has to be like pre 86 or something, you know? And it's like, so I think 90 is a good cutoff because some may be a little later that you could consider, but uh, you know, even our older listeners are going to be like, gosh, that's not old. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. I like, that's a, that's the thing with the scouts is, um, you know, somebody will say something or whatever. And I'll just kind of look at him and be like, well, it is 50 years old. Like when you were a little kid and you were thinking about like 50s Fords and 57 Chevys mm, and you're right. like, man, those old cars, that's a scout nowadays. Yeah, that is 
It's wild to, if you sit down and think, but I think, you know, you guys just had your first child, which congratulations anyway. I don't, I don't know if I said that. I think we were just getting caught up and I was talking to you about it, but I think your perspectives on life pretty much change after you have a child. And at least it did for me. Um, and, and like you said, you know, looking back at high school or whatever, you know, that wasn't long ago. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a long time ago, but it's neither here nor there. Do you guys enjoy cooking at camp? Does your wife cook? Do you cook? Do you guys care about cooking at camp or you just rather just get something in your bellies and be done? Um, yeah, we split the duties cooking. Uh, we don't get too crazy. Um, you know, I, I enjoy a good Nathan's hot dog. Um, but we definitely, like if it's a, if, if it's a Saturday night or whatever, we're just doing one yeah. night, we might go down to your local, um, meat market and get a, a nice steak or a nice yeah. pork chops or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so we're back and forth, but we do, we got the old Coleman stove. Nice. Um, one of, one of my, uh, one the of the vintage ones. Uh, yeah, I've got some mm. really old ones that I, are nice. play, but my, um, my, my buddy Tanner, who was in my wedding, one of my good friends from college, he bought us a Coleman stove for our wedding gift. Very cool. So, yeah. We were already. That's awesome. Yeah. My wife and I, we went camping when we were in college and and whatnot. And uh, so we, it's nice that we share the same interest. It's two things. I want to talk about um, that your wife enjoys camping and a lot of females don't. I'd like to touch on that. But first, I was laughing whenever you said Nathan's hot dog because that's very specific. But my wife. She loves Nathan's hot dogs. So does my son. Yep. I'm not a big hot dog guy. I think I just grew up eating them too much. I'll still eat one if I have to survive, but it's kind of like Kansas. I'll go through Kansas if I have to. I don't want to, but I'll drive through it. So my wife is from Kansas. And I make fun of Kansas all the time. Well, they're they're uh, awesome folks out there. They really it's, are. It's a... Uh... It's a flyover state, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, really good people, uh, I would say, you know. Oh, yeah. you got nothing to do. you got to be, you know, friendly people. Yeah, you really do. That <laughs> corn's not going to talk to itself. It's not. Hey, but one extreme, if, <laughs> if someone ever, if, if any of you listeners out there ever get the chance to drive through western and central Kansas during wheat harvest. Yeah. Uh, seeing a golden sea of wheat. I mean, it wow. looks like you're in the ocean. What's but, that uh, one area out there? Um, Flint Hills? Was that near the Flint Hills area? Yeah, right t- on the border of that. Yeah. All right, so you can kind of visit that area and then kind of get some. What time do you say? Uh, so harvest, right before harvest? Yeah, right before wheat harvest, and it's all just golden. Man, that would be trippy, wouldn't it? Especially, like, if, if you live, like, kind of, like, you know – I used to live in Joplin and, and Springfield, and now I'm living up north uh, near Fort Leonard Wood. It's kind of a concrete jungle, even though we're still technically, you know, not like hugely populated, but we kind of are. Um, but man, that would be kind of wild to see. That, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. The guys from Kansas never even brought that up for me. So yeah, yeah, go to like south, like go to out by the Colorado Kansas border, and I'm not kidding you when okay. you when you're driving. You can look outside of your car and you feel like you're at the ocean, except it's gold. Man, that would be cool. That's awesome. Um, I will definitely, I've been wanting to go to like through Oklahoma to New Mexico, go up like Cinnamon Pass through eastern, southeastern Colorado. And that would be kind of cool to circle back down through like kind of the Flint Hills area and check all that out and then head home. That would be an awesome trip. Yeah. I am going to write that down. Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's talk about your uh, wife, girlfriend at the time. Um, how'd you get her camping? Did she grow up camping? Does she love camping? A lot of females don't. So she grew up going to the lake with her family in the camper. And mm. um, so then, sorry, my phone's going off. Hope that ends soon. I don't even hear it. That's how old I am. Dang. Back to the vintage talk. So, uh, yeah, so she grew up going camping with her family and always enjoyed that, you know. And so then when um, we went to college at uh, Western Kansas and uh, there's a lot of good uh, lakes out there and you can go camping there and whatever. You can go to Colorado. So um, just kind of I had a scout, of course. Nice. Hey, let's go camping. So 
That's Man, you've had scouts really. pretty much your whole life. Like, yeah, even, there was a, including your dad's, I would say that was yours. You know, I was, I would say that, you know. Yeah. There was a little bit of a hiatus there. My dad sold it, uh, like in 99, 98, mm. something like that. And, um, and then we didn't have one, but, um, got bought an Isuzu Trooper. So those are cool too. The old square bodies or were they wrapped? This was the like next a brand generation. new 99. Oh, wow. He pulled like a, what did we pull? Like a 14 or a 16 foot Shasta up to Yellowstone. Holy smokes, man. <laughs> was she was squatting? A... Yep. Or yeah. dragging? <laughs> yep. Both. Both. It was it was a trip. It was an epic, like a two week trip. Really wow, an epic trip. But yeah, and then uh, that's once awesome. I got, yeah, it was. Once I got old enough to drive, um, you know, he was like, "Well, what do you want?" And it's like a scout. Mm. So that's where we started. And then, was that your first vehicle? Was a scout? Um, no, my first vehicle that I got to drive to high school was an '89 Toyota Camry. Nice, Which chick was, magnet. Yeah, and looking back, it was rustier than any scout I've ever done, <laughs> honestly. Uh, I'm, my dad and mom, they're like, your first vehicle, we'll pay half. So whatever you guys save up, we'll pay half. Well, I mean, I'm a dumb kid, and I, I don't know the difference between $500 and $5 million, you know, to a point. I would have saved up a little harder. I saved up 600 bucks. My dad matched me, and my parents matched me another six, so I bought me a 1977 El Camino for uh, 1200 bucks, and that sucker was roached out. You could lift the carpet up. You could see the highway. Um, no suspension. Um, you know, all kids, whatever they get. I don't I don't care if you're saying your kid's the best kid and he'll never do this. He's going to do this, especially boys. They'll push the limits of these cars when they're 16, when no one's around. They're going to go out there and go to Hammertown and, and see what this puppy will do. So I went down this road. There were some whoops in it, and I came down. I cracked the block, uh, hit so hard on it. No, you know, no front end. I was just... so. Long story short, she went to the probably the scrapyard. I don't know. We probably sold it for a couple hundred bucks. But was the small block still running? I had no idea anything about cars. No, no, I couldn't get it to turn. Nothing. It oh, just, okay. At that point, you know, Dad, you know, the seventy-seven El Camino was that seventy-three to seventy. Eight, maybe 77. Those are the biggest El Caminos that were around ever made. And they were yeah. huge. So my dad was just like, eh, you know, not really worth kind of fixing. And I was not mechanically inclined at the time, you know, at, at all. But hindsight looking back, you're like, man, it's probably nothing to fix. But anyway, hijacking the podcast again. No. Um, what else, man? What um where have you guys been the last year or the last couple of years? You guys just truly enjoy taking uh taking the international. Well, um, so we moved down here from Kansas City just recently in the last couple of years. And in Kansas City, there's a little bit of an overlanding crowd, but not not so much because there's not, you know, a lot of places to go right. trail riding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved down here and I don't instantly just kind of found your podcast and found other people just talking about overlanding, and which was, you know, a little bit different than camping. Mm. So, uh, but really combined the two things that we loved. Um, yeah. So we got to, we kind of started getting into the overlanding thing. Um, checked out uh, Rendezvous in the Ozarks. Yeah. And um, the one over at uh, Big Iron. Mm-hmm. And so kind of started immersing ourselves in that culture. Um, so, yeah, I went down to... Uh, the schoolhouse in Arkansas, that trail. Nice. With a group yeah. of guys earlier this summer or this, this winter. Nice. And, uh, so we're doing that. Um, but yeah, we, we've got a, a whole slate of things planned for this next summer. Now that we, uh, now that we kind of know a little bit more what we're doing, like mm-hmm. I said, we, kinda, we got the Jackery that helps out a ton. Oh, you don't yeah. have to worry about whether or not, you know, you can charge. What, uh, stuff. What size Jackery is it? The one thousand, or or is it smaller than that? Uh, I think it's the one thousand. Honestly, I don't know. Like I said, but it's wife. it's plenty for you guys for what you use it for. Like, yeah, um, are you topping it off with solar or anything like that? Or you guys just pretty much always have a charge there. 
Uh, yeah, we got the solar um, on a on a full charge. We were able to cook a, a pot of chili last year at Rendezvous. Wow! Holy smokes! What was yeah. the wattage pull on that? Uh, a lot. It sucked it down pretty quick. <laughs> uh, it. it got the, cooked and it was ready to go, and I was dead. That's so funny. Uh, Ryan, Queen City, um, Queen City Off Road. He was on the podcast not too long ago. He's got a third gent to come in. He was cooking us breakfast one day on a Scottle, electric Scottle. And that's, I don't know what power bank he had, but it was drawing like 200 and something watts a second. And it was like, it took a, I think it was a thousand watt power bank. And it took it from 100% down to like 40% in like 10 minutes or less. And I was like, man, it burned through that. But anyway, that's crazy. How amazing. How amazing. Yeah. 970 International Scout have this, <laughs> you know, fairly, I mean, they're, they're expensive, but they're not oh, yeah. crazy, crazy expensive. And right. sit there and cook your food. Like, so this is another thing that's, um, and I wanted to ask you first, like, how, how did you guys find the word overlanding or, or is it just a term you guys knew of or, or how did you guys discover that? That's a good question. I don't really... I don't really know um, when I first heard that term, but it had to be right along with your with your podcast. I know we have some neighbors down the street that have a uh, a Toyota. Forgive me, I'm going to say Land Cruiser. That's fine. We love we love Land Cruisers. I think not Land Rovers. We don't like Land Rovers. We like I think Land it's Cruisers. A 2006 Land Cruiser. So oh, those are those are killer. Yeah. And uh, we got to talk. We were taking totally a walk. One. Taking a walk, and I got to talking to him, and he was just kind of talking about, you know, like more expo and all that type hmm. of stuff. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I got a bunch of these old four by fours. Maybe I can, you know, get into that. Wow. So, but yeah, dude, that's awesome. I mean, is is he your current neighbor or your old neighbor? I, I didn't catch that part. Current, current. Carlos. Really? Shout out. Right on. I might know him. Maybe. Carlos, what's up, man? How you doing, bud? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> yeah. So let's edit that part out. Mental note. Okay. And switching back to we were talking about your jackery and all that stuff and how they're more affordable today. I think that has a lot to do with a bunch of big Chinese companies and American companies trying to, you know, compete with each other. And I think naturally um, they're flooding the market with product, a lot of product, and it's forcing the cost and price down. And I'm not talking about overland tax. A lot of people say, and I, I, I still disagree that there is an overland tax. Yes, there's companies that rip you off to a point because they use the word overland. But folks, I don't think there's any any overland tax for a piece of kit that will enhance your experience. Um, that's lightweight, practical, multifunctional, and you know, you could stow it away um, without taking it to anyway. I agree. I, I think agree. that's going to help us a lot. And rooftop tent markets, you know, um, um, Jackery actually just came out with this rooftop tent concept this past, um, when was that, last month or the beginning of this month? I forget what the, the conference was, but it's the Electronic Tech Conference in uh, Las Vegas. They're going to have a rooftop tent with solar panels built into the top. Not only will they be visible from the top, but when you're, you know, park somewhere, you can fold out the um, extra panels that are stowed between. So is that overkill or is it, I think it's practical to a point, depending on the wattage of the solar. If the solar panels combined are only capable of doing 150 to 200, it's probably not worth it in my opinion. But if they're, if they're bigger than 300 watt panels, that's, uh, that could be potentially pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I think all that stuff is super cool. Um, I, I don't I, I don't use it a whole lot. I mm-hmm. know that the jackery is probably as, as crazy as I'll ever get, um, but I I'm all for it. I don't it doesn't it doesn't bother me. I don't think anything's overkill um, because at the end of the day, I'm way more um, you know happy that someone's out enjoying nature than that's it. You know. That is it. Um, I may have mentioned this, um, y'all who are listening out there in listening land. Um, I've been, you know, 
because I'm, I'm, I'm ending the podcast between now and April. I have no idea when, but I've been kicking around some ideas and names, um, a lot of segments that I wanted to do that are, you know, a little bit different, a lot different, I guess, in some aspects to this show. I hope I don't lose you guys, but I may lose some of you. Um, but what I was going to say, um, what the heck were we talking about? I go off to these stupid tangents. Tangents. Technology. Anyway, get out there and do it. Don't care if you're going to just, that's what we were talking about, people just going out and doing it. But what I was saying, just go out there. It doesn't matter if Johnny's driving a little Civic or if uh, whoever's driving an old roached-out pickup truck. It doesn't matter. And for us to gatekeep who is overlanding and who is not overlanding, you know, in reality, guys, are all posers. I think um, – I don't do this full time. I try to go out, you know, every month at least to do a weekend trip. But for the most part, um, we're a bunch of consumerist um, posers. You know, we buy all this crap and then it just sits on our vehicle and in our vehicle. And I, I, I don't know. I'm bitter about it in a sense that we feel like we have to have certain things to blast on social media and just pretend like we're some cool off-roaders and 90% of those cool off-roading looking vehicles have never seen dirt. And yet they are behind a keyboard somewhere roasting somebody for their stupid $1,500 car. So or whether I, will be not an advo- I will be an advocate for those who feel attacked. Come at me, bro. I always, I always tell people that have just bought like a project vehicle or something, kind of tying it back to the vintage thing. Don't blow it apart. And do yes. a full frame off, you know, the first month. Yes. You if you've never done that, if you have, then cool, awesome, go for it. But if this is your first one, then look for the one that can probably still run, you know, um, you know, all the parts are there, all the pieces are there and get that thing running. If you're missing some pieces, figure that out and then go drive it for a year because yeah. you are going to fall out of love with that vehicle <laughs> the whole year that it's sitting there not running and most of those projects get sold because the people are like eh never mind you 100% nailed it on the head for and we could talk about this for days not really I don't have that kind of time um but yeah um I bought an old car one time blew it apart blah 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 you know I wanted new panels and I wanted to get a you know 327 to put in there because that's what the car had and then I tried searching for all these I lost my shirt on that deal because no one wants to buy a project it doesn't matter if you've got ten thousand dollars worth of parts nobody wants to put that crap together especially those who have done it you know sure they have a better idea of it but man what a basket case those can be and uh, especially I know a lot of OCD people are like this they want to they want to even polish little bolts, you know, interior bolts. They want to get down there and scrub on that. And then that just opens up another basket case of, you do you, man. I don't care. I, I wish just... I had a little bit more of those people in me because Gosh. you like, oh, if it's got a rust hole in the quarter panel, awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah, not. I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I look around and I've got, you know, two or three you know, scouts. And I'm like, man, I kind of do wish one of those was super nice. Right. One day all in good time, man, for sure. Um, you'll make it happen. I know you will. But I think like what you said is going to save somebody a ton of money, patience, a marriage potentially, and their love for wheeling because that is a giant money pit. You know, a lot of people, I'm glad my, my father-in-law, he had a ton of classic cars. He still kind of dabbles in collecting cars. And I have seen, I mean, he has some really nice stuff, some entry level stuff and everything else, but I've seen him just, you know, spend, I don't want to say waste money, but spend a lot of money just to keep these vehicles on the road. You know, if a car sits in the, in the, the barn all winter, you know, and you're going to get flat spots. Well, now, you know, brand new tires have flat spots, you know, and then, well, I got to drive that. And then the other cars sit, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I think America, we've got this cool love for, for this car culture, but at the same time, if you've never experienced it or heard the reality of how it really is to own a vintage vehicle, um, this is very insightful. And I'm glad that uh, you were able to come on the podcast. And honestly, you said a lot of good things and we call those golden nuggets. Um, you're not going to pick them all up in every episode, but I feel like you've dropped a few nuggets, golden nuggets. I don't want to sound like you're anyway, dude, uh, 
What in the world? Who is in charge of this thing? All right, man. We're we're coming toward rails. This thing has been blown apart. Yeah, I hope we've probably got like six listeners left. <laughs> um, let's see here. How can people get a hold of you? Plug all the things, and I think we're going to uh, hang up the phone here in a little bit. But go ahead, plug all the things. Yeah, so rally in the Ozarks is probably the best way, um, or the, the the biggest thing that I want to talk about. Um, it's our inaugural event. Um, we are we just went live selling tickets um, and at the end here of January here. And so, you know, if you got a vintage four by four and you want to get out and meet some people and hit some trails or go on a a lunch run with us, then please uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. Um, We're going to try and put together some videos um, for YouTube, you know, maybe some how to's, what to look for, stuff like that. Just kind of build a vintage four by four community um, and not and not be. Uh, exactly like exclusive to one yeah band. So. no gatekeeping and real quick because I have a hard time saying goodbye to people um, your buddies that you're putting this show on together were you all at rendezvous last year no no okay and then I was gonna say you guys met the following year the previous year so or did you meet that year and then you're like oh let's do this a bit well the group of people that I'm with now actually met probably uh, two and a half years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. So my, uh, a friend of mine that had a scout, he had some other friends down in the Springfield area with scouts. And he said, Hey, you should come down and hang out with these people. And, um, uh, so we did. And That's I, awesome. I drove down there and met up with them. Great group of people. And, um, I just kind of been in touch with them since. And then we ended up moving down here for work and, and trying to find some affordable property. Yeah. And, um, so now. Even closer. Yeah. Man, it's such a great area. Like, we're so lucky yeah. to be in this pocket of the world. Yeah. And, and, and no, we might extend this another 30 minutes. But anyway, um, so I went camping this last weekend. We, you know, campfire stories and discussions are always a really good time because you talk about just anything, everything. I think that's fantastic. But uh, we were talking and Tony. Uh, said, hey, have you guys seen that um, kind of, I don't know what these things are called, but it shows you the topography from like way out in outer space of what the United States looks like. So like if you look at the central United States over east, it's just like looks kind of flat. There's not a lot of, you know, color in that mapping. Um, and then you got this little speck in the middle. That's the Ozarks. And then you've got the Rockies and everything else to the left. Everything else looks boring. But I agree with you 1000 percent. You know, I'd rather drive three or four hours to the heart of the Ozarks and go wheeling down there as opposed to driving through Kansas and go to Colorado. I'd love Colorado, but I can't go to the Colorado on a weekend. You know, I'd spend two days driving through Kansas. So yes, folks, if you live in the Midwest, Southwest, Midwest, whatever, don't take it for granted. Um, all right. You plugged all your things guys. Be sure to check out the show notes below. I'm going to link all this stuff. I'm going to get, uh, get all these links from uh, Zach here. But don't forget, October 4th and 5th at Southwest Missouri Off-Road Ranch, Rally in the Ozarks Vintage. Bring bring the whole family. I think I'm going to go. I'm planning on it right now. I am making a declaration that I will be there. This, this puts a little flame under my butt. I bought my son. He's six years old. I bought him this pickup truck while he was still in my wife's belly. And I bought him for his second or, yeah, second birthday, 529 Gears. And I might have to install those this this year so I can go down there and keep up with y'all. Well, hey, what you need to do is get together with a group of friends and do some wrench days. We should do that. Wrench days. Wrench. That's what I like about. that. Really is. People. But I would be doing a lot more talking than wrenching, which is fine. I like to talk. All right. If you haven't figured out already, guys, uh, yeah, I, I jabber a lot. All right, guys, don't forget to tune in Monday for Overland Shenanigans. I need to get caught up on all the voicemail, so if you haven't already, call into the voicemail hotline. The phone number is 314-266-9536. Ask a question, say hello, and tell us what's going on in your Overland world. I will see you back here Monday. Bye-bye.